everybody it has been a while since i've done a podcast not sure exactly how long it's been feels like it's definitely been over a month gonna be honest i actually recorded an episode a completely different topic than what i am doing for this episode and i did that i don't know two or three weeks ago made it about halfway through it was garbage i hated it didn't like it i wasn't having fun with it i hit stop delete bye bye so then i needed to come up with a new topic i have been a little bit busy lately though so just getting back around to it and i need to try and get myself the momentum going again because i've got so far removed from regular podcasting that it becomes easier and easier to let another week go by, another week, another week, and now before you know it, it's like, shit, it's been a month. And a lot has happened since the last episode I recorded, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into some updates. So my son, Skylar, moved back into the house with me recently. He's paying rent. Uh, This was my idea because of his current, or I guess his previous living situation was not ideal. And I'm like, well, I got this big empty house. You're going to pay a little bit. But if you want to move back in here, you've got plenty of rooms to choose from. You have a large TV room with an 85-inch TV, every freaking streaming channel or service you can think of. And I made it very affordable for him. So when I had brought this up to him, he was like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. Maybe I'll plan on moving in sometime in September. Now, this would have been, I don't know, like a month ago, so early August. And then one day I get a text on like a Tuesday that says, hey, would it be cool if I start bringing some stuff over this Saturday? And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then he's like, oh, also can my girlfriend move in? And I'm like, um, I guess, but you're going to pay a little more for that because a girl in the house, that's going to use a lot more utilities. I didn't ask for much more for her to live here. So I'm still thinking, okay, he's just going to start dropping some stuff off over the weekend. I don't know when he's actually going to move in. I come home from work that Saturday from the school and he's there pretty much moving in. They stayed here that night. So I've been in the house now 10-15 minutes trying to get acclimated to what's going on and they're about to make another trip of stuff and I hear his girlfriend say, should we get Ozzy on this trip or the last one? And my ears went up and I went, "Uh, are you bringing a cat here? Because I don't think that's going to go over very well with the oversized puppy that just still thinks she's a little puppy. He's like, yeah, my bad. I forgot to tell you. It's like, no, my bad doesn't really apply to I'm bringing a cat over. By the way, I'm moving in today. Forgot to tell you that. Here's my girlfriend. Here's my cat. I also found out later that night there was a second cat. They were two and four months old when they moved in those kittens. They pretty much just stay in their room, which is fine. Because I'm pretty sure that Coda would destroy them. And my cat Cessna, she's been around them she's fine for the most part but then she gets fed up pretty quickly and then hisses and doesn't want anything to do with them and Cessna is large so I also don't want her to hurt the kittens and of course having people in the house I think this will be very good for Coda and she has been very excited by having people around a lot she gets a lot of extra attention but she's been a little annoying at times reverting to some of her behaviors I'm not a big fan of the jumping up and maybe a little nipping not much she's definitely behaving a hell of a lot better than when my mom visited earlier this year but at the time Coda was like I've had her for, I don't know, a few weeks, and she was just hyper, 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 didn't know how to react around other people in the house. My mom's older and didn't react as quickly as she needed to in order to defend herself against this super jumpy, hyper puppy. But overall, she's doing a lot better with my son and his girlfriend.
girlfriend in the house. She is aware there are kittens in the room. I'm sure she can smell them and hear them from time to time, but she doesn't really make any attempt or effort to try and get into the room. She just looks at it a little curiously. Another thing I want to point out that I did since the last time I recorded a podcast, I shaved my head. I got tired of the hair growing thing. It was just getting ridiculous. Actually, what happened was I had a birthday last month in August, and I was sitting in the Department of Motor Vehicles, the Bureau, wherever you're at. It's either the DMV, the BMV, whatever. So I'm in there to renew my tags, and all of a sudden it hit me, wait a minute, do I need a new license this year? So I had to get out my license and look, and I was like, okay, thank goodness it's next year. But it made me realize if it had been this year, I would have been forced to take my hat off in the middle of the BMV and sit there with my longer hair around and my balding head on top and get a license picture that I would have for four years. And within about 48 hours, I shaved it. If any of you have bothered to go check out my TikTok, The Alien Jeff, where I pretend I'm an alien, I actually recorded the head shaving as part of that alien character. So it's pretty comical. Feel free to go check that out on TikTok. Also, feel free to check out the rest of my social media, which I am typically inactive on, at Twitter, or I guess X. That's happened since my last podcast. At X, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, at Jeff Becomes Jeff. All right, so I'm going to pretty much just jump right into this topic. Don't know if this is going to be a long episode, a short one, have no idea, but I want to keep the energy up. I do not want to repeat of the last episode I tried to record, where I just said, I give up. I need to get this done so I can get a new podcast out there. It's been too long. So for those of you who are able to read, you have seen that the title of this episode is Get Lucky. I would play a clip from Daft Punk, but if some of you may remember, I actually had some podcast episodes removed because I used clips of music I don't own the rights to. So I'm trying to avoid that as much as possible moving forward. But what kind of prompted the idea for Get Lucky was I had kind of a lucky, like all in one week, all of this stuff happened. So I've been having some issues with my minivan where the check engine light had been on for a while, but everything was operating fine. So I was just like, whatever, it's not flashing. Then recently, well, recently at the time that I started this show prep weeks ago, but occasionally as I would try and rev my engine to just speed up, the traction control lighting would come on. And then all of a sudden, like my cruise control wouldn't work. My car wouldn't upshift very easily. And I'm like, oh no. And I went to the local AutoZone where they can pull the codes from my engine. And I'm thinking maybe it's just spark plugs. I haven't replaced my spark plugs in a while. Maybe I just need a bit more of a spark. And I go in there and she's like, when she hands me the paper of the possible problems, she said, I'm sorry. Because the two of the three items were these gaskets that sit in the engine that would cost thousands of dollars to replace at a shop and very difficult for me to try and replace on my own. The other one was this oil pressure switch, I think it was called. She said, if it's that, that's the cheapest option, but the other ones, sorry. So I left AutoZone. I had to go to Kroger and get some stuff, and while I'm sitting in the parking lot at Kroger, before I go in, I just do a quick YouTube search, or rather a Google search, for the code number that my car had thrown, and I see this YouTube video link that says the two most economic solutions to this code. So I go watch this video. Solution number one, get an oil change. Solution number two, the oil pressure switch. And then I think to myself, when was the last time I changed my oil? Because I changed my own oil, so I don't exactly put a sticker in my window that says, here's how many miles it's been. And also with door dashing, that can be hit or miss as far as how many miles I drive in a given week or a given month, and I'm not really keeping track of it. So it started to occur to me, I think it's been a while. I'm probably pretty, pretty due for an oil change. So I didn't feel like changing my own oil for the first time in probably, I don't know, 15 years. I went somewhere to have it changed. Didn't realize there were places now that you just pull in, stay in your car. They do it all right there. It's like the fast food of oil changes. It 
was awesome. And honestly, with what I would have spent at AutoZone just for the oil, the oil filter, and an air filter, I only spent about $30 more at Valvoline. Gonna go ahead and give them props because they did an awesome job. They weren't overcharging or upselling me on stuff. As a matter of fact, the air filter they put in, I was already planning on going to AutoZone after and buying on my own so I didn't have to deal with the upcharge. The air filter from Valvoline was actually $2 cheaper than the cheapest air filter at AutoZone. So well done, Valvoline. And then the guy's asking me that is kind of in between cars and typing things on the computer. He's not actually changing the oil. At one point, he's like, uh, do you know how long it's been since you got your oil changed? I'm like, I really don't. And he's like, okay, because it was a little sludgy. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. So they're done. I pull out of the little garage and I'm like, okay, let's see what happens when I go to try and accelerate. Am I going to feel this slippage? And then am I going to have that traction control light kick on again? Because then that can mean just a variety of other issues. Never has it happened since all I needed was the oil change. So I felt a little lucky with that super easy resolution to what could have been a horrible problem with the van. Yay! Also, same week, I get a envelope in the mail that I almost ripped in half and threw away because in the top left corner, the, you know, who it was from, it said BMI. And where I live, we have a BMI federal credit union. And I particularly know this because my last job in corporate America was with a large credit union here in central Ohio. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, I don't have an account with BMI. I assumed it was just junk mail, but my son was talking to me from the garage as I was walking back up from the mailbox, so I was a little distracted and instead opened it. Pulled it out and like, why am I getting a check for like $32 for royalties? And then it hit me. BMI is one of the multiple publishing companies as a musician that you can register with. There's ASCAP, CSAC, BMI is the one that I'm registered with. Apparently people have started listening to some of my music from a couple years ago over Overseas, and I got a $32 check. Now, $32 doesn't sound like a lot. All the years I've waited for this, years. I've been coming up here, I never won, never won once, and now I won. The money is mine. I have the money, the money is mine. I got it for the first time. I got the money. It is the first time in my life I have ever received a royalty check for anything. So yeah, I was feeling pretty lucky all in the same week that the van was fixed. Yay! Also, got hired for some studio work. I do this occasionally, but all I did was go into the studio. There was a band that is like a kind of country slash bluegrass band, and they needed someone to lay some vocal harmonies down. So the engineer knows me. He brings me in from time to time on different instruments or backing vocals. I went in. I was there for less than an hour. I'm now waiting on a check from that for about a hundred bucks. Easy peasy, lucky squeezy. That didn't make any sense. Maybe I should buy a lottery ticket. It's kind of what was going through my mind, even though I never play the lottery, but it's like, I'm feeling pretty lucky right now. Lots of cool shit is happening all in the same week. So all that to say that inspired me to do a podcast episode about luck, chance, happenstance, things like that. Now, as far as luck goes, I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure I'm really a big believer in luck or rather being lucky. And the definition of luck is success or failure brought by chance rather than through one's own actions. And I'm a firm believer that pretty much everything that happens is the result of something that we did.
did or didn't do, or something someone else did or didn't do. I do believe in chance and things happening randomly, but I don't necessarily believe in luck per se. And let's be honest, all those things I just mentioned that made me feel like I had a lucky week, none of those were anything that were by chance. Like, I worked hard to become a good studio musician, and that's why I often get asked to do studio work. I worked hard on the songs and my published works that I've done musically that I am apparently starting to get some recognition for and royalties. I did the research for possible fixes for the van. I went to AutoZone, got the code pulled. I took action to start at the first possible issue. So it wasn't luck. It just felt fortuitous, which is a fancy word for luck, that all of that happened in the same week. That's what kind of felt lucky, not each one individually, but the conglomerate. Now, I'm going to be honest. If you're someone who believes in a higher power, you're probably not allowed to believe in luck because if everything happens for a reason, God's purpose... then there is no such thing as chance or random. Now, let's not forget, you also cannot believe in free will if everything is God's plan. That's one of the things that drives me crazy about religion or Christianity or faith is whenever, you know, a three-year-old dies of cancer, it was God's will. It was in God's plan. Everything happens for a reason. But then you also turn around and say, God gave us free will. Well, you can't have it both ways. Either you have free will or you don't. It's either God's plan or it's not. Now, now, going back to the title of the podcast, I find it a little odd, the term getting lucky, that it refers to sex. I would never really guess that a penis going into a vagina is simply because of chance, unless you're at an orgy sponsored by Crisco. So let's talk about icons of luck, things we see as being lucky or bringing luck. So I remember as a kid, every time we would go to a carnival or the circus or something, I always wanted like a little rabbit's foot keychain. It's a little weird, a little creepy that I'm walking around with a dead animal's foot on this janky little chain, and I owned many of them. But the reason why that's considered lucky is apparently in the early 1800s, it was believed that witches took the form of rabbits. So if you killed a rabbit, assumed to be a witch, then someone could use that rabbit's foot as a talisman against evil. Let's be honest, people were really fucking stupid back then. And also, I found out that apparently the luckiest rabbit's foot off of the rabbit's body is the left hind foot. So if you have a right front rabbit's foot, paw, whatever, probably not that lucky. Not warding off any evil spirits with that right paw, you loser. Of course, everyone knows about the four-leaf clover. Oh, look at my lucky charms. So in the early days of Ireland, the Druids, the Celtic priests, believed that carrying a three-leaf clover allowed them to see evil spirits and be able to escape them. Four-leaf clovers, on the other hand, offered magical protection and warded off bad luck. Yay! Apparently, the chance of finding a four-leaf clover is about one in 10,000. Seems like a pretty slim chance that you're going to find one with all those three-leaf clovers around. They all look the same except for that one little extra leaf. But the four leaves are thought to represent faith, hope, love, and luck, which sounds like a home decor sign found on Etsy. Welcome to our home full of faith, hope, love, and luck. Another lucky icon would be horseshoes. So it's thought that horseshoe will protect one's 
house and keep strangers away. Hey, no more Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm getting me some horseshoes. But remember, you have to turn the tips up so the luck doesn't run out. That's stupid. It can't just be lucky by itself. I have to make sure the imaginary magical luck doesn't run out of the tip of this freaking horseshoe. But the tradition started in the 10th century when St. Dunstan captured evil with a horseshoe. Good for him. By the way, St. Dunstan was the patron saint of English goldsmiths and silversmiths. That's a dumb saint. Not even just the saint of goldsmiths and silversmiths. English ones. Also not sure that sainthood should be associated with just banging metal with a hot hammer. From a numerology perspective, the number seven is obviously thought to be pretty lucky for most people. Like in Vegas, if you go to a slot machine and you get triple sevens, there's a pretty good chance you're getting a major jackpot. But going back to the magical world of Christianity, early Christian churches said that God could show up at any time with seven gifts. Those gifts were blessings, wisdom, strength, honor, understanding, glory, and godliness. Those sound like shitty gifts. You can't unwrap any of them. And honestly, godliness, that's not really a gift. I mean, that's just basically him saying, hey, I showed up. That's your gift. You're welcome. Arrogant much, God? Also, escaping the Christian side of things, in Japanese mythology they have seven gods of fortune who bring gifts to deserving Japanese people on New Year. So another reason why the number seven has been seen across multiple cultures as being lucky or bringing fortune. Let's talk about shooting stars. We actually recently had a pretty major meteor shower event that happened. I actually captured one with my cell phone. Sadly, the primary part of the show was going to happen when I was going to be in bed. But I at least got to see some. I got to catch one on film. But think about when you wish upon a star. When you wish upon a star. Sorry. Hey, look at that star falling out of the sky. Make a wish. And the idea behind this dates back to around 130 AD. And there was a Greek astronomer. I'm going to mess this up. It's P-T-O-L-E-M-Y. I'm just going to pretend that the P is silent and say Ptolemy. I'll look this up later. Buzz or ding. We'll let you know if I got that right. But Ptolemy said God peer down from the heavens and that seeing a shooting star indicates that the gods are paying attention to you or for whatever you are asking for or wishing for, hence wishing upon a star. Let's not forget about ladybugs. Now, it's not that ladybugs bring good luck per se, but it's that if you kill one, it's bad luck. So to an extent, a ladybug in general, a non-dead one is good luck because it's the opposite of bad luck. So don't kill a ladybug. Additionally, there is old folklore that says if you find a ladybug in your house, you will also find money. That's stupid. I've found ladybugs in my house before. Don't ever recall finding any money. Old folklore, you're full of shit. Finally, the last icon of luck I will mention. You ready for this? Bird poop. Yes, being shat on by a bird is apparently a sign of good luck, according to feng shui. Also, if a bird poops on you, it indicates impending wealth. Just imagine if you find a ladybug in your home right after a bird shits in your hair while you're walking into the house. Oh my god, you are about to be so rich. Alright, so now I want to talk about some of the luckiest people in history, or at least based on what I found on my Google machine. So 
first one is a lady, Joan Ginther. I think she was a mathematician. Not sure what your job is when you're a mathematician, but that's what she was. She has won the lottery four times. I'm not talking about scratch-off tickets. The lottery. Statistically speaking, you have a 1 in 200 million chance to win the lottery once in your life. She did it four times. First time, she won $5.4 million. Ten years later, $2 million. Two years after that, $3 million. And then shortly after that, $10 million. That's over $20 million in less than 20 years. That's pretty good. All right, the next one is a guy gonna mess this up. Suto, hold on. Sutomu Yamaguchi. Maybe it makes it easier if I put like the Japanese accent on it. Sutomu Yamaguchi. But this guy survived two nuclear attacks. Guess what? How many nuclear attacks have there been in the history of the planet? Two. He survived both of them. So he worked for the Mitsubishi company, and he was visiting the Hiroshima Mitsubishi factory when the first atomic bomb was dropped. He was injured, but he survived. Not long after, he returned home to Nagasaki and returned to work in Nagasaki on August 9th. Just so happened to be the day the second bomb was dropped in Nagasaki. Ah! He survived this as well. In 2009, he was recognized by Japan as the only survivor of both blasts and ended up dying at 93 years of age in 2010. That's a pretty lucky son of a bitch. Here's another name I'm gonna butcher, a 12th century monk, Nichiren. All right, he's also Japanese, Nichiren. Anyway, he was sentenced to a beheading after writing a prophecy that Japanese officials thought was undermining their authority. So let's fast forward to the execution. You know, he's getting ready to have his head chopped off, old school style. The executioner raised his big ass sword to behead Nichiren, and the executioner was struck and killed by lightning. Something we're gonna discuss a little later. The executioner clearly unlucky based on the odds. He was also wielding a lightning rod, so maybe the odds were a little higher. After that happened, Nishiran was released due to weird circumstances of the attempted execution. Let's talk about our former president, Teddy Roosevelt. When he was campaigning for president on October 14th, 1912, he was shot in the chest at close range. Now, the bullet was actually slowed by a 50-page speech in his coat pocket. Also, his glasses case was in there, but the bullet still made it through, it was just slowed down and ended up being lodged in one of his ribs. But Teddy Roosevelt wasn't going to be deterred. He had a campaign speech later that day. He refused medical attention and continued to hold his campaign speech that same day with a bullet in his rib. Let's go back to lightning. There's a guy named Roy Sullivan who was a park ranger and he survived being struck by lightning seven times in 35 years. Now, the odds of being struck once in your life are one in 15,000. Wait, one in 15,000? That's actually pretty good odds. I don't like those odds. 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! Great Scott! Another lucky son of a bitch, Leonard Thompson, he was a 14-year-old diabetic and he was dying because he was on the starvation diet, the only known treatment for diabetes back in 1922. Oh no, he's got diabetes, don't let him eat. And he was struggling in and out of a coma and weighed only 65 pounds because of the starvation diet. His parents were desperate and finally allowed for the experimental treatment of their son with insulin. Sound familiar? After 12 days 
of treatment and kind of tinkering around with the formula and purity of the insulin, his recovery was immediate. And voila, a real treatment for diabetes had been discovered and still being used today. Saving the best for last and often considered to be the luckiest man in the history of the planet. Gonna mess this name up. Why I don't research these pronunciations beforehand, I don't know. Frayne Selak. Okay, F-R-A-N-E, first name, dumb. Selak, Selak, I don't know, S-E-L-A-K, dumb. But Frayne Selak cheated death eight times. Let's start out January 1962. He was on a train and it flipped off the tracks and flew into a freezing canyon river. That sucks. Bad enough that your train flew off the tracks, but it flew into a freezing canyon river. Seventeen passengers died on the train. Frayne had a broken arm and hypothermia. A year later, 1963, on his first and only trip on a plane, Frayne was sucked out of the plane after a faulty door opened and he just went flying out. He landed on a haystack and survived. The plane crashed and 19 people died. A few years later, 1966, he was on a bus that lost control and skidded off the road, wait for it, into a river. What, what is wrong with his methods of transportation. Four passengers on the bus drowned. Frayne swam to shore with a few cuts and bruises. Two years later, 1968, let's be honest, the 60s weren't great to Frayne Salak, but clumsy Frayne was teaching his son how to hold a firearm and didn't realize the safety was off and accidentally shot himself in the balls. Sadly, both of Frayne's balls had to be removed, but he survived. Two more instances that were very similar in the early 70s, both in 1968 1970 and 1973, he was involved in two car crashes, and in both cases, his car caught fire. In both instances, he walked away unharmed, other than some sizzly tips. That would be singed hair. I'm gonna imagine by the name Frayne Selak, it sounds like he had a lot of body hair, too, so he probably looked like he just weird for, like, the next couple weeks. So, the rest of the 70s and the 80s seemed to treat Frayne Selak pretty well. And then he got to the 90s. In 1995, he got hit by a bus, but he only walked away with minor injuries. A year later, 1996, all right, here's uh, the last one, the eighth avoidance of death and a crazy one. He swerved to avoid a head-on collision with a large truck and drove into a guardrail, which did not support the force of the impact of the car. During the impact, the door of his car flew open. Frayne wasn't wearing a seatbelt. I mean, at this point, why would you? And he was thrown from the car to safety just before his car plummeted 300 feet into a gorge. I would like this story more if there had been a river at the bottom of the gorge, because that seems to be Frank's method of operation, get thrown out of a vehicle as it gets thrown into a river. But wait, there's more. Two days after he turned 73 in 2003, he won $1.1 million in the Croatian National Lottery. So that's one lucky son of a bitch. So let's talk about euphemisms for luck or chance. Obviously, we've all heard knock on wood, and that's an idea that it's thought to stop a confident statement from becoming true. Like, I've never been arrested. Knock on wood. Because if I don't, I'm going to get arrested. Now, a stupid, silly joke I've been doing for decades is if there is no wood around and I want to knock on wood, I will knock on my dick. Because another euphemism for dick is wood. I'm sure it doesn't have the same effect.
effect, but it's just silly. Another term would be that something falls into your lap. So just kind of like out of the blue, this fell into my lap. That could be a job. That could be money. That could be a relationship. But if something falls into your lap, I'm going to be honest, I've been on a pretty dry spell for a long time, having been single for years. So um, I'm hoping that maybe a warm mouth falls into my lap. Knock on wood. A free ride. So that would be, you know, we think about that when it comes to college or whatever, where you don't have to pay for anything, you get a free ride. But that can apply to a bunch of other things. It just means that basically things were all taken care of for you with very little effort. And it's more of a chance-based thing. Obviously, if you get a free ride at college, that took a lot of effort. That's not chance. That's not luck. That person earned that free ride. Let's talk about the term potluck. So we all know about, you know, potluck meals or at your work with your family. But apparently what the term potluck means is that you are taking the chance that whatever is available is acceptable. And that rings pretty true with why they would call a potluck meal a potluck. I remember we would do a potluck around Thanksgiving at my last corporate gig. And it's one of those things where depending on when you get to the lunchroom in order to take part of the potluck, well, you don't know what you're getting. Ambrosia salad, soggy green beans. I don't know. And then finally, we know the term luck of the draw, which would just be, you know, by chance, it was just like drawing straws, where it's the shortest straw loses. Maybe the shortest straw wins, but either way, it's the luck of the draw. You could also relate that to having a good hand when playing cards or poker. It was the luck of the draw of the card. No more. No, not tonight. This son of bitch all night, he chick, chick, chick. He trapped me. Yet, yet. He beat me, straight up, pay him. Pay that man his money. So those are some terms to describe luck. Let's talk about some terms that you might use to wish someone good luck. Like, for example, break a leg. Now, that doesn't sound very positive, but in the entertainment industry, apparently wishing good luck is seen as bad luck. So it's like a reverse psychology thing where it's like, I don't want to say good luck. Instead, I'm going to say break a leg so that you'll do the opposite. Because apparently whatever I say, you're going to do the opposite. So if I say good luck, you're going to end up doing the opposite, having bad luck and putting on a shitty performance. So just break a leg. Also very similar in the entertainment industry is knock them dead. But in entertainment, especially in comedy, if you do an awesome job and have a great performance, you killed. That's what it's called. I killed tonight. So knock them dead kind of makes sense. But similar to that, you could positively encourage someone by saying, you're going to kill it. Go on up there now and throw some pitches, Bobby. I know you're going to kill it. Actually, back in the day when I I used to do stand-up, I had a little bit that I would do talking about weird figures of speech, and I would say how that was a weird phrase and not one you wanted to use with someone who was about to have a baby. Like your friend's wife is going into labor, and you go up to your buddy and be like, go on now, get in there and have that baby. You're totally going to kill it. So it doesn't apply all the time. Let's talk about when you say fingers crossed. Apparently this dates back to a pre-Christian belief, so not even Christian, even more whimsical and magical than that. But there was a belief that the power of a cross shape would allow people to make a wish or bring good fortune. So if you really cross your fingers hard, you're kind of creating a little cross. And back then it was actually thought that if you made a wish that you had to keep your fingers crossed until the wish came true.
I'm wishing for a warm mouth to fall into my lap. Knock on wood, fingers crossed. Um, based on the last few years, I'm going to have arthritis in the next two days because I'm not going to uncross these fingers anytime soon. There's also a phrase that we use that if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. And I'm going to be honest, I think that kind of applies to me, even though I don't really believe in luck. But let's talk about times that I think in my life maybe I have experienced finger quotes luck. Now again, I want to reiterate, I don't really believe in luck. I do believe in chance as it implies free will and the randomness of nature and life. And I also definitely feel like my life is always a matter of when it rains, it pours, whether for good or bad outcomes. Just like the week of good fortune that I had recently, where it was just bam, bam, bam. But the same thing happens negatively, where it's just like, ugh, 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 and you're just getting beat down by one thing after another. And I'm going to be honest, I struggled trying to come up with stuff in my life that I would consider lucky. Let's start with lightning that we discussed earlier. I have been, I guess, either struck by lightning once and close to lightning another time or just close to lightning twice. Not sure. So the first time I was on a lunch break at my work, this was, I don't know, 20 years ago, and I had driven to go get food and I was now driving back to the office to eat my food and there was a huge storm going on and I was sitting at a red light probably about a mile from my work. I saw a blinding white flash of light, immediate thunder. I mean, it was almost as if the thunder came before the lightning which we all know indicates that the lightning is very close. My entire car shut down, everything, pew. My heart was pounding in my chest. It was like, what just happened? My car started up fine, I went to work, but as far as I know, I think my car got struck by lightning. So then another time, this was only a few years ago, I was sitting on the front porch. I love thunderstorms, lightning, so I like to watch it. So I'm sitting on my front porch, I got all the lights off on the porch so I can see the lightning show, and I've got my tablet out, I'm playing some games on my tablet, occasionally looking up and just watching the lightning storm. And I would find this out shortly after that my son was upstairs watching the storm out his bedroom window, which is on the backside of the house, where we just have an open field behind us so you could really see the storm better than my vantage point from the porch. But as I was sitting on the porch, playing on my tablet, there was the same thing that happened in my car where it was like crack of thunder, flash of white light, all at the same time scared the shit out of me. I mean, I jumped up out of that chair, ran inside quickly, heart was pounding, hair was raised on my arms, and as I go inside, my son comes running downstairs to tell me that he saw lightning strike our backyard. So I was pretty close. So I guess maybe that was lucky. I don't know. Maybe this isn't luck, but I do remember one time when I was younger, I had gotten in an argument with my brother. We were latchkey kids, which meant we went home after school. Both our parents worked, so we had hours every day where it was just us at home together, and he was two and a half years older than me. We were both boys. We fought all the time. Not necessarily like fist fights, but doesn't mean there wasn't some physical aspects to it. We would do a lot of name calling, but I had said something to him that he got mad at and I ran upstairs. I had bunk beds and I jumped on my bottom bunk and he was chasing me up the stairs and he dove on top of me on my bottom bunk and I pushed up with my legs and scratched his back on the springs on the underside of the bed, which hurt and made him even more mad. 
bed, and he jumped off the bed and off me, looked over at my dresser, and saw a Matchbox car sitting up there on top of the dresser, and keep in mind, he was like a star pitcher, and he just grabbed it and threw it at me as hard as he could, and that thing flew right by the side of my head and buried itself about an inch into the drywall. I mean, if this thing had been two inches to the right, probably would have taken out my eye. So that felt a little lucky. Another thing, as a kid, I remember was one time I was with my friends, we were riding our bikes through a neighborhood, and we were having like a bike race, and we all wanted to turn right on this street coming up, and we're going as fast as we can. And I am actually leading the race, and right as I start to turn right, it's kind of a curve at the turn of the street. I see a car coming toward me to stop at the stop sign, but I'm flying. And because of the curve, the car didn't really see me, nor did I see the car before I started turning. The car started to slow to a stop. I laid my bike down on its side, skidding my knee along the asphalt. My tire of my bike stopped right before the tire of the car after they slammed on their brakes. So could have very easily been hit by a car, run over by a car. Didn't happen. Maybe a little lucky. Another instance, this was not that long ago. I don't know, eight years ago. But my band, the Lovebenders, we were playing at a place we played pretty regularly, like once or twice a month, Gatsby's in Gahanna, Ohio. And we're setting up and the booking guy goes over and sets these little reserve signs on one of the tables by the front door. And I'd never seen that happen before. And I was like, who's that for? Oh, we just got a call that Urban Meyer and a party of his is going to come in and see you guys play. If you don't know, Urban Meyer at the time was the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. So that was a big deal. And not only did they show up, but then after that, Urban's wife, Shelly, a delightful, wonderful, beautiful woman, sent me a direct message on Twitter, now X, and said, I want you on our boat. I didn't know what that meant. Then I found out apparently every year for the previous like five or six years, they had done something called the Buckeye Cruise for Cancer, where they went out on a cruise ship and raised money for cancer and they had local entertainment on the boat. So because of that one instance where the Myers happened to be out there on that night while we were playing, I got to go on six free cruises. Yeah, I worked, I performed, but the cruises were free. Got to meet a lot of professional football players, be involved in a lot of fundraising and cool events. So that was fortuitous. Honestly, the way that I got my job right now at the school that I'm now the music director at, that was just kind of per chance. I rarely get on social media and I noticed an old friend of mine post on social media that he had just taken a job with this school. I'm like, ah, you know what? I've kind of thought about looking into that school, but I just was so into corporate America before that I never really thought about it. So I contacted the school. Within two weeks, I was working there as an instructor. Within 10 months, I was the music director, and now I've been the music director for almost a full year. So that was fortuitous. Other than that, overall, I really am struggling to think of moments in my life that I would call luck and not just a result of my own actions, words, etc. And if luck exists, which you know I don't really believe in it, but I would consider myself, for the most part, the recipient of the bad kind of luck more often than not. But I also accept that most of what I would call bad luck is also the result of choices, actions, and words, either by myself or others around me. So, that pretty much wraps up everything I could think of for this topic. I'm glad I was able to make it through an entire recording of an episode and not get bored and annoyed with myself and say, fuck this, delete. Hopefully you have enjoyed being back for another episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. I thank you all. Please remember, you can go follow me on social media, X, I hate saying that, TikTok, I almost said Twitter, same thing. So X, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, yeah, that's all of them, at Jeff Becomes Jeff. Go find all my silly TikTok accounts. There's Code of the Dog, The Alien Jeff, lots of weird stuff out there. Thank you again for tuning in, everyone. Until next time, I'm Jeff.
and I'm the luckiest some bitch this side of the Mississippi. Good night. <laughs> to the devil and I prayed and I showed him the mess that I've made and I cried and I cried and I cried a million times over but the devil just laughed in my face I went to the God of fire and said can you turn the heat a little higher cause I've been burned and I've been burned Time's over, but he just covered me with water. So I went to the Lord of the sea. Said, won't you come wash over me? Cause the roads and the woods have been winding a million times over. But she receded from Covered him with water from the land.